We're in um, 1 Timothy chapter 5. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, seems a long while ago since we started 1 Timothy, but we're coming to an end before the end of the month. Um, so we're looking at uh, chapter 5, verses 17 to 25. And on the, on the originally when I broke it down, I included the first two verses of chapter 6, but I'm not going to speak about those, so I'm not going to read them. Um, so, and Kevin doesn't have to worry about them next week either. So, <clears throat> verse 17. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honour, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain and the work that deserves his wages. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. Those who sin are to be rebuked publicly so that the others may take warning. I charge you in the sight of God and Christ Jesus and the elect angels to keep those instructions without partiality and to do nothing out of favoritism. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands and do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Stop drinking only, only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. The sins of some men are obvious, reaching the place of judgment ahead of them. The sins of others trail behind them. In the same way, good deeds are obvious and even those that are not, cannot be hidden. Um, so, as I said a couple of weeks ago, this is sort of like a practical sort of teaching from, from uh, Timothy to the church, to Tim, uh, to, from Paul to Timothy and to the church in Ephesus. Um, and that's the one we're going to sort of concentrate on um, this evening. As I said uh, a couple of weeks ago, the, the church was... You know, called to make disciples. We've, we saw that a couple of weeks ago or a few weeks ago with Johnny, go and make disciples. And we had a message on Acts 1, you know, to go and be witnesses. Um, and, that, and this is sort of flowing out of that, of that, you know, when things are not right in the church, that's when we're not making disciples and then we're not being witnesses. And therefore, we have to be wary of the things that we're doing in the church. And that's what Paul is trying to, to teach the people in Ephesus um, doing these uh, this letter that he's writing to, to their, their pastor. There was obviously some issues going on in the church, and we know that, otherwise we wouldn't have the letter to start with, and Paul wanted them to be dealt with so that it wouldn't affect the ministry of the church. Because the church is always on trial, isn't it? The church is, we're always on trial from those looking on. Um, you know, you might have various feelings about the Hillsong Church, but in the eyes of the world, it's part of the church. You know, and we've probably all seen recently um, that, that how the media have sort of got hold of this uh, story about the problems in their leadership and how that sort of got bigger and bigger and how that can sort of affect, if you like, how people view uh, the church as a whole. And, you know, we know Jesus said, didn't he, that, that Satan would send wolves in sheep's clothing into the church to discredit the church. And these things... These things happen all the time. So he, he comes up with this sort of very practical teaching um, through the Holy Spirit to, just to help the church manage different things that they keep a good uh, witness for themselves. Uh, right from the start, the church leadership knew that to keep on shining like stars in the universe, that we had to be doing things right and we had to, um, you know, not foul up, if you like. And so a lot of this is practical teaching uh, to do with that. Um, the church is never going to be perfect because it's full of sinners uh, saved by grace. None of us are perfect. Well, I'm sure we all know that. Um, but to be a credible witness to those around, there, uh, to, around us and 
the church in Ephesus, they had to demonstrate that they were seeking to live their lives um, by the word of God. Um, and this kind of teaching is just as important today as it was back then. Um, as I said, you know, we've, we've, we've looked at this, we've gone through 1 Timothy, um, we even did one on a Sunday morning, uh, Johnny did that about elders um, uh, back at the beginning of January. And so in that section that Johnny dealt with in 1 Timothy 3, Paul talks about the characters, um, the characteristics and qualities of an elder. Uh, and we looked at that. Um, but there was obviously some things that, that Paul felt he still needed to say. So he jumps from chapter 3, and he jumps back to this subject in chapter 5. But he, he, he makes a distinguishing mark here, if you like, about elders um, and pastors. So in chapter 3, when he's talking in the section that, that Johnny dealt with, he uses uh, a Greek word uh, that you know, we, we, we know the root of, which is episkopoi, right? So we get episcopal from that. Um, and it's a, a word that was used by uh, the Greeks as um, an overseer. And the church used it to describe an elder within the church, uh, like Kevin and Johnny and David. Um, but here, when he comes here to verse 17, he then changes the word. He doesn't use the same word as he did in chapter 3. He uses a different Greek word, a word also we know the root of. He uses the Greek word presbytory here. And what that word in the Greek was used to describe an older person. So it's also used in verses 1 and 2 of this chapter, where it says, do not rebuke an older man harshly. Same word, older man. Um, and in verse 2, older women as mothers. And so he uses the same word, older, presbytory, okay? But here in verse 17, it's, it's translated as the elders. So you think, whoa, hold on a second, why is there a difference there? But because the context here is he's talking about, if you like, the, the best way to put this, the elder elder, if you like, or the older elder, or the top elder, or the, the chief elder, if you like. And so what the, the church did was use that word to describe a pastor in a church. And so when we're looking at this, what we're really looking at from verse 17 is about the, the role of being a pastor. This is what uh, Paul is distinguishing here, aside from being an elder, which is why he puts in there the elders who direct the affairs of the church well, uh, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching, because that was the main role, or one of the main roles for the pastor. So this little section is about pastors, really. Um, and it's not easy for a pastor to speak on this. And in fact, if I was going to be here for another, whatever, few years, I'd have handed this over to Kevin or Kevin or Johnny or David uh, or somebody. Uh, but I'm only a pastor here for another two more weeks. So there you go. I can say what I like, really. <laughs> so, but and it's my last Sunday evening, and you're here to witness that. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Um, not my last Sunday evening here, but my last Sunday preaching here. Um, so basically what Paul's done here is he's, he's giving us some further teaching about pastors here for the church uh, because he wants the church to keep a gospel focus at this point and to keep a gospel focus and to continue to shine for Jesus. They need to make sure that those who are perhaps doing the pastor work, the teaching, the preaching work as well, uh, they, they need to be well cared for but also looked at and, and um, 
tested, if you like, um, as well. So he starts off <coughs> with this uh, interesting statement. The elders, or we'll say the pastor, who directs the affairs of the church well, are worthy of double honour. What does that mean? Well, again, he uses the same word as he does in verse 3. In verse 3, it says this, Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. So the, the, the word there is translated recognition, and here it's translated honour. But it means the same thing. Because then, a couple of weeks ago, if you remember, I said, when it was talking about widows, it meant about giving them financial or material support and uh, su supporting them in their, you know, their lives completely. Um, and so what he uses the same word here <coughs> to refer to a pastor. The, the, the pastor is worthy of double honour, he says. So that means, basically, that the pastor is worth, worthy of uh, double recognition within a church fellowship. Um, Paul uses the word double. I like that. I don't know why, but he does. I think he's trying to emphasise the whole point. Does that mean that the, 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 the pastor should get double pay? Uh, no, it doesn't, um, just in case you're wondering. But it does mean that the, the, the pastor's work should be recognised for what it is. And you'll be getting a new pastor soon. This is very important for, for you who are members of the church to think about. It's important for all church people, but it's always important to remember this. Um, and I'm not just saying this because I am a pastor, because I won't be in two weeks, so I can, that's what I said. It's, uh, it's, but it's important for me to say it uh, to you this evening. So in this context, Paul wants the pastor to be treated in a way that sh makes the gospel shine in a way, not just in, within the church, with, but without the church um, as well. So when we go back to the widows, the recognition, the Greeks use this word to say that, that, that people should have um, financial uh, support and they should have this respect as well. Now, financial support, how do we, how do we think about that when we come to a pastor? Um, you know, do we pay a pastor? Do we not pay a pastor? How much do we pay a pastor? How much do we not pay a pastor? All these things have been questions that the church wrestles with um, and wrestled with down the centuries. You know, uh, there's sometimes a feeling among some church members that, you know, well, you know, the pastor, it's a calling, so he doesn't really need any pay. But that's not what the Bible says, is it? Um, you know, I've been in members' meetings, and I expect you have as well, as a member and as a part of a leadership where the subject the pastor's pay has come up and people get more animated about that than they do about anything else. Uh, and that's happened. Um, I know a pastor in, or I knew a pastor in Suffolk, he's not a pastor anymore, uh, who didn't get a pay rise in 10 years because the church thought, he doesn't need a pay rise. You know, things like that. And when I was reading a, a commentary on this, um, I read this really interesting story from the guy who wrote this commentary who, who met another pastor at a conference. And this pastor had been called to work in a, a rural community. And in this rural community of lots of farms and so on, so what used to happen is, on a regular, on a regular basis, uh, apparently, on a weekly basis, is that these farmers would turn up at the, the, the pastor's house with little packages of you know, eggs and bread and different kinds of things that they'd got from their farms. The problem was is that then the church deducted the value of those things every month 
from his salary. Uh, and that's a story that was in this book that I was reading. It was quite interesting. I thought, you know, how much bread did you get this month? Oh, you know, a couple of loaves, or that's a pound or two pounds, or how much a loaf of bread is, I don't know. But, um, but it, it can be a difficult subject. But what, what Paul is trying to say here is that, you know, that somebody who's doing this role deserves to be uh, financially supported if the church can do that. And what's interesting is, is he used two quotes. And the two quotes he used are really interesting. So the first quote he uses is from Deuteronomy 25, verse 5, where it says, do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain. So he uses that as uh, an example from Moses. And he's used, that, he's used that before. Because when he was writing to the church in Corinth, he wrote about this as well. Because when he was writing to the church in Corinth, he obviously got a bit exasperated about the fact that the church weren't supporting him and Barnabas in their ministry. Him and Barnabas were trying to support the church, preach and teach and work, and that the church weren't supporting them. Uh, and so in verse 6 of chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians, he writes this, it is, is it only I and Barnabas who must work for a living? And then he backs this up. Not that, he wants to, not, not, not that he's going to take the money, but he, he, he puts out that he's, he should be worthy of getting it. He says this uh, in 1 Corinthians 9, Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink the milk? Do I say this merely on human authority? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. It is about oxen. That, is it about oxen that God is concerned? Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us, because whoever ploughs and threshes should be able to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. If you have sown spiritual seed, if we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? But we don't use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. That's Paul's point. He doesn't want the gospel to be hindered in Corinth or in Ephesus. His point is that he's trying to make sure that the, the, the work of the kingdom carries on. And he feels this is better done if the church can support their pastor financially. The other quote, which is really interesting, where he says, um, for the scripture says, the worker deserves his wages, that actually comes from Jesus himself. And that actually comes from the Gospel of Luke. That's really interesting when you think about this, isn't it? Because Paul and Luke were travelling companions, we know that. We thought about that last week in Acts. And Luke had obviously been working on his Gospel. And Paul maybe had his own copy. But Paul takes a quote from Jesus out of, out of Luke's Gospel. For Jesus said this, uh, stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you, when he sent the workers out in Luke 10. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you for the worker deserves his wages. That's what Jesus said. And so Paul uses that quote to say, this is what you should be doing for those who serve in the church. So what Paul is saying here is, you know, how you work that out in actual pounds, shillings and pence or whatever it is nowadays uh, in the 21st century, how you work that out as a church is very different and churches are very different, you know, of how they, get, how they do things. But what the, what, these, what the New Testament is telling us is that a pastor should be receiving financial support from the church. And, of course, 
I can tell you stories of, of a number of disgruntled pastors who have left churches because they didn't get a pay rise or stuff like that. And anyone who's disgruntled, you know this, because I'm sure you've done it yourself, anyone who's disgruntled will find anybody to talk to when they're disgruntled to share their grief with. So what Paul is trying to say is don't hinder the gospel. Don't let the gospel be hindered by what you're doing. Share this you know, with, with your pastor. Make sure that he's worthy of this, this honour. It's not just about pay, though. It's also about respect as well. Um, now, the church um, apply, has sort of over-applied this, I think. The elder who directs the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honour or worthy of recognition. <clears throat> Excuse me. The, the church have over-applied this down the centuries, I think. Um, when Alice, so there's a little story from ourselves. So when Alice and I were missionaries, uh, we went to a conference uh, once. I can't remember where it was. <clears throat> and someone from the, the mission that we worked with uh, introduced us to this um, Church of England vicar. And I can't remember exactly the, the exact words that he said, but we'll, this is just an example. But this is basically what happened. So the, the person from the, the mission introduced us to this vicar. And he said something along the lines of, oh, this is Paul Smith from St. Helens in Leeds. At what point, the vicar interrupted and said, well, actually, I'm the right reverend Paul Smith. At which point I thought he was expecting Alison to curtsy or something like that when he said that. But that's how the church over-apply things. We, we, we want that respect by having a title or vestments or, or whatever it is. That's how we gain respect and recognition for who we are. But fancy titles and fancy vestments and so on is not what Paul's talking about here, is he? He uses that word of, of recognition and he says, you know, if, um, if this person is preaching and teaching and working, um, then you should, that should be recognised within the church and they should be shown respect for that. That's what Paul is trying to get to here. You know, there's issues in, in Ephesus that we've already thought about over these few months that we're looking at. And there can be issues in church as well, sometimes, about respect. And if there's no respect, not just for elders, for, for pastors, but for church leaders, it, it, it reflects badly on the church, doesn't it? If we don't respect the people that God has put over us, whether that be leaders or elders, that can, or pastors, that can be, that can have a, an impact in, in, our, in our witness to those around us. Um, Paul emphasizes this point, doesn't he? He says, do not entertain an accusation, an accusation against a pastor, again the same word, unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. Um, and then he goes on, those who sin are to be rebuked publicly so that the others may take warning. So he, 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 he sort of differentiates between uh, an accusation and actual sin. In verse 19, do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it's brought by two or three witnesses. Those who sin are to be rebuked publicly so that the others may take warning. So if a pastor sins, we're going to come to this, then it should be dealt with. But an accusation needs to be thought about if it just comes from, from one person. You know, and, and it, that can happen. People make mistakes, pastors make mistakes, as everyone else does. And sometimes uh, people can have a grievance against pastors. Sometimes it, it can be simple things like 
not implementing something that I think is the right thing to do in church. And therefore, an accusation can come from one person. And that can grow, if you like. Uh, and it can be quite prevalent sometimes in, in church life, in, in, not just in the 21st century, but throughout church history. John Calvin was in Geneva, and he had this to say about it, because he had the same, he had similar situations. John Calvin said this, As soon as any charge is made against ministers of the word, it is believed as surely and firmly as if it had been already proved. This happens not only because a higher standard of integrity is required from them, but because Satan makes most people, in fact nearly everybody, over-credulous, so that without investigation they eagerly condemn their pastors, whose good name they ought to be defending. What Paul is saying here in this first verse, verse 19, is that you have to be careful of that, that pastors should be protected from an accusation from one person, say. Now, if it becomes more than that, if it's something that more people know about, then you take it as a credible thing. But you always have to be wary of, of where things are coming from. And actually, I, virtually every pastor I know has had a situation in the church where one person, just one person, has had a grievance and has, has spread gossip or malicious gossip, if you like, and there's been issues that have arisen in the church. And what Paul is saying is that, that that really threatens your witness as a church. Now, of course, if there is sin, which he picks up on in verse 20, then those who sin, and this is again about pastors, this is not about, this is in the context of pastors, this is not about you, if you sin. They should be rebuked publicly. This is the context of pastors. If a pastor sins, they should be rebuked publicly. But remember, that's sin, open sin. That's not preaching something that makes you feel uncomfortable. That happens as well. Oh, I don't like his preaching because I feel a bit guilty when he preaches. So I need to sort of stop that. That's not that. This is all about sin. If a pastor sins, then it should be taken seriously. And sometimes the church has failed here on many occasions, hasn't it? As a whole, again. Um, because how many times do we hear about a pastor having an issue in one church, sin being that issue, and the pastor moving on, and then the same thing to happen in another church with that pastor some years later on? Because the church didn't deal with it. And so what Paul is saying is if there's an issue, and again we're thinking about affecting the gospel witness of the church, and it should be dealt with. It should be uh, publicly. And Paul was concerned that that would happen. And we have to make sure that if, you know, it's not, it might not be comfortable, we agree on that, but it has to, if it hampers the witness of the, of the work, then it should be dealt with. Paul is concerned about what's going on in the church. Um, and, it, you know, he, he sees this as being something that is really, really important. And he actually says, doesn't he, uh, in verse 21, this is how serious this is to Paul when he's writing to Timothy. In verse 21, he says, I charge you, this is how important it is, in the sight of God and Christ Jesus and the elect angels to keep these instructions without partiality, and to do nothing out of favoritism. So, 
what Paul is saying there, isn't he? He's saying to the church, okay, the pastor might be a nice guy, and you might all like him, but if there's sin, it has to be dealt with. It can't just be brushed under the carpet. It has to be sorted out. And it's so important that I charge you in the sight of God and Christ Jesus and the elect angels to keep these instructions. So this is how important this is to Paul. The work of the pastor in the church and how that is viewed in the church, but mainly without the church, um, is really, really important to Paul, which is why, why he writes this to, to Timothy. Um, <clears throat> and because of this issue of sin within a pastor, it, he's, Paul says, you know, that's why you should be wary about before you appoint a pastor. And there you go, this is something for the church now, isn't it, to think about. So, again, in the context of what we're thinking about, this is just in the context of what we're thinking about, remember? That's how you read scripture. Verse 22, do not be hasty in the laying on of hands and do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. So what Paul is saying here is, when he's saying do not be hasty in the laying on of hands, do not be hasty in appointing somebody, you know, before you know the, the situation, the background, and all the things that might have happened that might have led to, to sin in the past. Because Paul doesn't want the church to get sucked in to a situation where you know, they've appointed someone wrongly. That's why when we appointed new elders, we did an eldership course. We did an eldership course just to, 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 to put everything, everyone through some kind of sort of, you know, interview process in a way, even though we know those people. And it might be that when you come to appointing a new pastor, that you might need a, sometimes, and we have spoken about this as leaders, sometimes you have to ask those uncomfortable questions to a, to a prospective pastor. And when Paul says, don't be hasty, what he's, and I know it's easy for me to say, and, and the church might be thinking, oh yeah, but Andrew, you're going, and, and we need somebody to come quickly. Um, you know, we, we, we need a new pastor quickly. But what Paul is saying is, well, just hold on a second. Don't be hasty. Just make sure you're doing the right thing because, you know, those who, you know, there could be a, a situation where people have sinned. The sins of some men are obvious, he says in verse 24, reaching the place of judgment ahead of them. But the sins of others trail behind them. So some sins for prospective pastors might be obvious. So, whoa, hold on a second. But the sins of some of them might trail behind them. You might not know about those things. That's why you need to be wary. This is what Paul is saying. In the same way, good deeds are obvious. Well, yeah, that's great. It's easy, isn't it, for me or a prospective pastor to stand up here and tell you about all the good things they've done. It's easy for, for Johnny or David or, or Kevin to stand up here and say, oh, this guy, he's done this, 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 and this. And, you know, he, he's such a great prospect for the church because good deeds are obvious. They might not be hidden, but the sins of some men might trail behind them. That's why we have to be wary. That's why do not be hasty in the laying of, on of hands, Paul says. So what Paul is trying to say to the church then and even now still, all churches, not just this church, but all churches, is that, you know, the, the pastor of a church the elder elder, he might be like the face of the church, if you like. And you have to be careful about how you deal with him or even how, how you appoint him. 
in the first place because the gospel's important. The gospel's more important than the pastor is. The gospel's more important than anything, isn't it? The, the, the way the church reaches out to the community around it. And so what Paul is trying to do is he's trying to say to Timothy, look, this is what's important. The preaching and teaching, the work of the gospel is important. Therefore, just be wary. Just keep, keep your focus on these different things. Now, in the middle of all that, you have that odd little verse, don't you? Verse 23, where all of a sudden Paul takes a tangent over here somewhere and says, stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. Wow, that's a little nice little verse, isn't it? In the middle there. Hey. You know what? And you can get a you get a commentary on 1 Timothy 5, right? And there'll be about two or three pages on most of it and about that much on that one verse, verse 23. And you think, why have people got so much to say about verse 23? Um, and you can read lots of weird and wonderful things about 1 Timothy 5, verse 23. You can read about how the alcohol that, uh, or the little wine that um, Paul says to Timothy to drink um, was alcohol-free. You can read a lot about that. Uh, you can read also a lot about how it definitely wasn't alcohol-free as well. Um, you can read a lot about uh, uh, whether Christians should drink and not drink uh, and all those different things. Um, but here's the thing. It's got nothing to do with that, has it, at all? It, 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 it's there. It's like if you want to pluck it out of the context, you can say what you want about it. But why is it there, here, in this context? It's here in this context because Timothy was the pastor of the church at the time when Paul's writing this. And Timothy obviously had lots of frequent illnesses due to his stomach. Now, I, now I know that, and you know that. Poor Timothy, I mean, he's a bit embarrassing, Timothy. You know, Paul, Paul's embarrassing, Timothy. I mean, he's got stomach issues, you know. Spending a lot of time in the toilet, Timothy, you know. Um, but he, he does that, and the reason he says it is because Timothy obviously was drinking only water. The water wasn't like you would have. It comes out your tap all nice and clean and fresh and lovely from Northumbria water. It was probably a bit manky, obviously a bit manky. You know, lots of nice things in it that shouldn't be there. And Timothy was obviously ill all the time. And that doesn't do very well when your job is preaching and teaching, does it? You know, if I said to Kevin Potts here, Oh, Kevin, you know, if I'd have rung him up uh, this afternoon and said, Kev, oh, I, can't, I, can't come this, I can't come this evening because you've got a bad stomach. Can you just preach for me? And then Kevin said, oh, yes. I said well, I've got a bad stomach as well. I'll ring Johnny up. Uh, Johnny, 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 can you come up? Can you preach tonight? Oh, I could, I'd like to, but I've a really bad stomach. Uh, don't let Dave, Dave Loxley will do it. Oh, stomach's really bad today. Kevin Flett, Fletty, last resort. Fletty. <laughs> I can't do <laughs> I can't do it either. Your job is teaching and preaching. You've got to be able to do that on a frequent basis, haven't you? You've got to be well enough to do that, fit enough to do that. Timothy had his issues. That's why Paul says, stop drinking only water and use a little wine. Now, I don't care what you think about drinking. Couldn't care less. But for centuries, right, people used wine for medicinal purposes. 
to, just to, to line their stomach, to help them. That's what Paul is saying here. Emphasis on a little wine. He's not saying go down to odd bins and buy a few crates of, of wine, is he? You know, he's saying, just have a little wine, Timothy. It'll help your stomach. It'll calm you down. Then you'll be able to do your job. What's your job? Preaching and teaching. Sharing the gospel. That's, why it's, that's the only reason it's there. When you read all the other rubbish from, from verse 23 about whether you should drink or whether you shouldn't drink or whether it was alcohol-free wine or not, you can take that and put it where it belongs in the bin. Okay? It's got nothing to do with that at all. That's not what Paul is writing here. It's in the context of being a pastor and preaching and teaching. Timothy couldn't do the work of a pastor if he was always ill. It's as simple as that. So that's why that's there. And it's only here because this is what Paul is directing our thoughts to. He's directing our thoughts to, to the pastor of the church, which I am for the next two weeks. So I expect double honour for the next two weeks, okay? If nothing else, just from you, 25 people. Um, but it's really, really important when you think ahead, isn't it? Not just for now, but for the future of any church. You know, it's really important about how... Because the mission of a church can be hampered, can't it? Because here's the thing. Look at you. you, you some of you all got jobs. Some of you haven't. Some of you have been fortunate enough to retire and stuff like that. But some of you have jobs. But in any kind of job, if you don't feel valued in that job, if you don't feel that you're being treated fairly in that job, whether that's getting the respect that you feel that you're owed or whether it's getting paid the right amount of money for what you feel you're doing, if you don't do that, whatever you're doing, whether you're working at the hospital or Amazon or wherever it is you work, if you feel that you're not it's not right and you're not being treated in the right way, then you're going to lose enthusiasm for that job, aren't you? It's as simple as that. However much you might want to work for the hospital or the NHS or for Amazon or for Sainsbury's or whoever it is, or teaching or whatever you're doing, if you feel you're not being treated right, you lose your enthusiasm. And then you just go through the motions, don't you? You think, well, actually, I'm just doing that job to get paid. And what Paul is saying is the same thing could happen for a pastor, if he uses that enthusiasm for the job, then the work of the gospel is hindered. That's why we should, that's why he says, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honour, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. Now, if there's issues involving sin, that needs to be dealt with, as we've said. Um, we shouldn't let things get covered up. But here's the thing. The 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 the, the elder elder, which you will have again soon in God's time, is worthy of what it says here. This is scripture. Don't make this up. This is what scripture says. It's what Paul is saying. And it's because the work of the gospel shouldn't be hindered by anything that goes on in the church. So it's really important that we, 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 we focus on this. We show uh, respect and, and support for a pastor, whether it's the pastor of this church or if you move on to another church, the pastor of the next church, like I'll be moving on to another church and uh, having another pastor and so on. If he's toiling for the gospel, then he's worthy of this respect. Um, but most importantly, I suppose, he's worthy of your prayers um, as well. Now, as I say, it's not always easy to say that as a pastor, all that, but it has to be said sometimes, it comes from scripture. And I hope that practically... That's a, a, a good encouragement and a challenge and a lesson for all of us who meet here this evening. I'm going to close 
with prayer. Let's pray, shall we? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. We, Lord, we look to you always, Lord, for how we serve you and what we do and how we live for you practically and how we serve you in the church practically. And Lord, we just pray now, Lord, for, Lord, I pray for the church here, Lord, I pray for whoever it is you bring here uh, to be the next uh, pastor of this church, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would, uh, as we thought this morning, make your will clear. But I pray, Lord, that when that person comes, Lord, that the, the church here, the members will, will treat that person in the right way. I'm sure they will. I know they will. But, Lord, it's always good to have that reminder in your word. Uh, just, to, to, just to give us that encouragement to think about that, not to take that person for granted, whoever they are, who comes. But, Lord, to, to respect them and honour them in the way that would... Not hinder the, so the gospel, not hinder the gospel, so the gospel would go out uh, and reach the community in which you've placed it, us, Lord, and uh, also to encourage the people who come into this building week in, week out. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for this day that we've, we've been together. I pray, Lord, that you just be with us throughout this week ahead, Lord. Whatever we're doing, wherever we're going, help us to shine for you. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat>